Father, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for this community um, that you have built. I pray that you would bless this time, uh, that you would um, bless the words that are spoken and the ears that hear, and I pray that you would uh, guard our hearts against bitterness and resentment and uh, open our hearts to hear your voice and what you would have for us. Bless this time. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. We are going to start tonight in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. So the Gospel of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and there are four Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8. And just so you have a little context, if you're opening your Bible and and going there, um, Matthew chapter 8 begins with the healing of a man with leprosy. And then it goes on uh, to Jesus healing the servant of a centurion, which is just a leader in the Roman army. And it's a really cool story about faith. And then it says Jesus heals many. And so Jesus is going all over the place, healing people, healing, uh, giving blind people their sight and helping people walk and all of these amazing, amazing things. Um, and then he talks about the cost of following him and what that, what that meant. And so this is, our, this is where we're at. The, the disciples are with Jesus. They've been around him for a while. They have been traveling with him. They've seen his miracles, and they've seen what he's done, and they've been sitting under his teaching. And so we come to Matthew 8, verse 23. And Matthew 8, verse 23 to 27 says, then he got into the boat, he being Jesus. Then he got into a bo- in the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, and rebuked the waves and the, the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obeyed him. So, four things happen in this story. The first two are the, the disciples, and the second two are things that happen with Jesus. So the first thing that happens with the disciples is that they forget. They forget who Jesus is and and what they had seen him do. They forget the miracles that they had seen. They forget everything. And the second thing that happens with the disciples is they become afraid. And I think, you know, you could argue that, that those kind of happen at the same time, maybe, with the storm, where maybe they become afraid and so they forget, or they forget and then they become afraid. But those two things happen with the disciples. They forget and they become afraid, which is saying something, because the disciples, um, at least a few of them, were fishermen. Now, I would imagine that Matthew, the tax collector, probably wasn't much good on a boat, Maybe, I don't know. He might have been hiding under the bench or something. 
But these fishermen were terrified. They thought they were going to die. And if you want a, a really tangible way of knowing what that's like, you can ask Reuben to tell you some stories about fishing in Alaska. But they're terrified. And you can imagine the fishermen, it's, it's their boat. Like Jesus, it says Jesus got into the boat, but it's their boat. And they're, you can imagine, I don't know what the boats were like at that time. I think they probably had sails, and so they're pulling on ropes and trying to make sure, that, you know, everything's okay and the wind's blowing them back and forth in the waters, and they're terrified. And so they cry out, and they say, Jesus, they look at Jesus, and Jesus is, is sleeping. And so they wake up Jesus, and Jesus does two things. The first thing he does is he looks at the disciples and he says, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Which seems kind of mean. A little bit. Because in that moment, they're terrified, right? But he says, why are you so afraid? Here's the disciples trying to figure everything out on their own, and they're trying to pull on the ropes and, and, and control the boat, and they turn to Jesus. They say, we can't do anything else. We don't know what we're doing. He says, why are you afraid? And then the second thing that Jesus does is he brings peace. He calms the waves and the wind, and he brings peace. So these are the four things that happen on the boat. The disciples forget. They become afraid. Jesus asks them, why are you afraid? And then Jesus brings peace. So we're in a series right now, and we're going through Galatians. And so I have a few questions for you. This is pop quiz time. Uh, so the book of Galatians is a letter by Paul written to the churches of Galatia. So our first question is, where is Galatia? Southern Turkey. And if you want to go there, you can go hang out with the missionaries that we have there. They would love to have you, I'm sure. So Southern Turkey. All right, the second question is, uh, Paul write, is writing about the... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. I keep getting these backwards. Or maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, so Paul had visited the region of Galatia and the churches in Galatia and had preached uh, the gospel there. So uh, where can you find the background information on Paul's time in Galatia? All right, Acts 13 and 14. That's right. So... And the third question is, Paul preached the gospel there, and most of what he's talking about, in, or really all of what he's talking about in Galatians, is the gospel. So what does the word gospel mean? The good news and victories of Jesus Christ. So when we say we, we read a passage from the gospel of Matthew, it's the story of Jesus, the good news and victories of Jesus, as written by Matthew. So... So we are starting in chapter 3. Today we've come to chapter 3. And to give you a little background of what, what we've been talking about, um, the first part of chapter 1, Paul says, Hi, I'm Paul. 
there is no other gospel but the one that I preach to you. So that's what he says. I'm Paul. There's no other gospel. And then the rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2, Paul says, I'm Paul. This is my story. Because the Galatians are dealing with this problem of, of rules and, and belief and grace and the gospel. And Paul says, um, that we've talked about in uh, the sermons leading up to this, and uh, Paul says, I, I know what this battle is like. I've, I've confronted Peter. Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus. I, he was not eating. He was eating with the Gentiles, and then the Jews came, and so he stopped eating with the Gentiles, and I confronted him, and I told him that's wrong. So I know what you're going through. So he says, hi, I'm Paul. There's no other gospel. And he says, I'm Paul. This is my story. And as we come into chapter 3, what we're going to find is that, again, Paul says, there's no other gospel. <laughs> so it's like this little introduction, and then he goes through, and now we're going to get back to there's no other gospel. So we're in chapter, uh, chapter 3, and chapter 3 starts out, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? So Eric talked last week about... Uh, Paul uh, whipping out the dad voice. And that's what I hear again here. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And this word bewitched is, is really interesting. It, it means sort of like, um, who has turned their evil eye upon you? So it's you foolish Galatians, who has turned their evil eye upon you? And the thing that I think of that I'm sure at least a couple of you think, thought of when I said that is uh, the, uh, in the Lord of the Rings, there's the tower. Yeah, the Eye of Sauron. <laughs> so there's this tower, and at the top of the tower is this giant eye. And it, it's not quite like that in the books. But in the movies, there's this giant eye, and it, it, it looks super evil, and it looks like a spotlight. So it like, goes around and like, tries to find the heroes. And uh, at points, it, it literally looks like a spotlight shining on, on the good guys. And so when you think of uh, the who has turned their evil eye upon you, that's, that's sort of a good picture. But it, this, the idea behind it is that the, who, is, who has deceived you? Who has uh, led you to believe these things? He says, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And the, the cool thing here is that, that the, he says, who has put their evil eye upon you? And then he goes and says, before your eyes, you've seen Christ portrayed. Like, it's, it's this juxtaposition of like the evil eye that's on them, that's deceiving them. And Paul calling them to remember what they had seen. He's basically saying, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten what you knew? Have you forgotten that Christ was crucified? Have you forgotten that you believed the gospel when we preached it to you? He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? 
Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? There's this, this element of it. So when, when they were in Galatia, there's all these miracles that happen, and they, the people of Galatia believe the gospel, and the Spirit comes down, and, and Corey, Corey talked a few weeks ago about this idea of like their face, the face shining and the light of God in them. And like the Spirit in, in, the, the, act, in the book of Acts is a... a very real manifestation of the spirit coming down and it describes like tongues of fire so these these miracles happen and it's so many people come to believe and the gospel moves and it's this amazing thing and now the galatians there's these people who have come and they've said hey so okay so you believed and that's great and these cool things happened but now you have to become jewish and you have to live under the law, which is just all the food rules, and you have to be circumcised. And you have to do all these things to, be, to, to attain these goals, to attain the goal. Like he said, it's, it's this element of they had to control these things that were happening. And they become afraid of losing what they had found, losing what they had believed. And Paul says, who, 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 who has done this? Who taught you to control? Who taught you to fear? So I, I want to tell a story that illustrates this some in my life. When I was in middle school... I played the trumpet, and I played the trumpet at church on the music team. And the, the thing at the time was that, and I think now some places, but you, you have a recording of the song that you're going to play, and you have to play it just like the recording. Because if you can play it just like the recording, then all the people at the church will listen to it, and they'll really like it, because they all listen to the CD at home. And so I played the trumpet, which was a lot of fun. And a lot of these songs had really cool trumpet or saxophone or trombone parts, and I got to play those parts. But one of the things that happened was sometimes they would send me outside with a boombox, and I would have to listen to the music play over and over and over, because I, I didn't have like sheet music like with the notes and everything. I just had to listen to the song and try to learn the part. So there's there's like one song that's like ba dun 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 right? And I can still sing that because I can still play it on the trumpet because I listened to it fifty million times. But what happened was that it actually turned into something that was very stressful. 
So when I couldn't play it right or I, I didn't play it right and I would come back into practice and they'd say, okay, we're going to play the song and I'd, we'd start playing and I'd do the right? And if I played it wrong, we'd stop and do it again. And then we'd stop and do it again. And, we'd stop, and practice would turn into these three-hour practices where we played five songs. And it took forever and was super boring. And then we would come on Sunday morning, and we'd play the song, and I would mess up. And I'd get like a little look. And it wasn't like a shaming look. It wasn't like, oh, shame, shame, you didn't play it right. It just was this look of like, hey, that wasn't, that wasn't what it was supposed to sound like. That wasn't, what it, that wasn't quite what it was. It was this little look over. And the looks, for me, at least in middle school, were very stressful because I knew that I hadn't gotten it quite right. And it became this thing where I just, it kept going and going and I got more and more stressed. And then I grew up and I played the guitar and I became a leader and a funny thing happened. I started doing the exact same thing. Except I was the leader. And I was the one sending out YouTube clips to the guitarist so that he could learn the lead intro into the song. And then we would practice it on Sunday night and we would play it and I was the one looking over at the guitarist going, oh, that wasn't quite right. And my practices turned into these three-hour ordeals where we would only practice five songs. My dad's laughing because I would get home at like midnight. (laughs) And I was in Mexico. (laughs) So I'd have to cross the border at midnight, which was always fun. But I was the one giving these looks. And it became, it was stressful even then for me because I knew that I was doing the same thing to that person that had been done to me. And I was trying to make sure that everything was okay because I knew that if I played it on Sunday and I was the leader, that the looks in the, you know, out, out there where all of you are, this isn't here, I'm not talking about here, but all, like, the looks would come to me and then Someone would come up and after, and they'd be like, oh, that song was great. It wasn't quite how it sounds on the CD. Is that on purpose? And I just, it was this thing that I had to control, that I, had, that I was afraid of like getting it wrong to the point where at some point it just became, I, I just gave up. And it wasn't like I didn't care like, I cared, but I just pretended not to care. And I said, I'm just going to play it how I want to, and I don't care what they say. And it, be, it was this anger. None of it, and I mean, there's some of it mixed in. And it's, it's, all, it's worship with God and all this stuff, but it, it's so entangled up with, I have to get it right, and it has to sound right. And when I started coming to the village... Um, early on, I sat down with Eric, and he said, you're not going to play any music here for at least six months. And I asked him this week kind of what he expected, and he said he expected me to um, push back, to say, no, this is, this is what I do. I play music. 
I lead worship. This is, this is, this is what I'm good at. And what actually happened was like this wave of peace broke over me. And I was so excited to just come to church on Sunday and just be. And sit in the back and not have to worry about anything. And I was in a, a Bible study at the time with uh, Daniel and Jeremy and Keith, who's in nursery. And I taught, we talked about it all the time. And I'd get like hey, do you want to play music? And I'd be like, no. No, I don't want to. It's so nice coming to church on Sunday and just being at peace and being able to sing and worship. And And this is, Paul in this passage is saying, you've you've become so tangled up with these laws and the rules that you've forgotten what we taught you. And it's become about you and controlling your stress and the way people look at you. And it's become about the the rules, right? The rules that we, we wrote up on the board last week. The rules that we have for ourselves to make us okay, like... says, have you forgotten? Why are you trying to control things? Why are you afraid? And then we have this passage at uh, the end of the the section that we're going to read tonight, which is um, verses 6 through 9. He says, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So this is really important because Paul is talking to Gentiles, which Gentiles, it just means they're not Jewish. He's talking to Gentiles and he's talking to them about Abraham. And the reason Abraham is important is that Abraham, Abraham's story is in Genesis 12, which is Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And Abraham's story comes before the law, all the food rules, because the law was given to Moses, who comes later. And the part of Abraham's story that that Paul is talking about here comes before the covenant of circumcision. So all the things that made people Jewish came after this moment in Abraham's life. And so Abraham, God comes to Abraham and says, I have a land for you. You need to leave the land of your fathers and go to the land I will show you. And Abraham believed him and left. It says, and it, this is a, it's a famous, it's a famous line. It's in other places in the Bible. But it says, he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And to be righteous 
means to be right with God. It means to be aligned with God. And the thing that made Abraham righteous wasn't the law, because that came later. It wasn't circumcision, because that came later. The thing that made Abraham righteous was that he believed. He believed God, and he went and did what God told him to. That was it. That was what made him righteous. And what Paul is saying to the the Galatians here is peace. Peace. You believed. You believed the gospel that we preached to you. You believed what we told you. You received the Spirit. Peace. you're, You're in this storm and it's raging around you and you're all... There's all this turmoil built up in you. Peace. You believed. So the thing that I want to call us to tonight is, uh, a, to use Eric phrase, a diagnostic for ourselves. And I want to walk through these these four things that we've been walking through. We, we, we talked about it in the storm and then we talked about it through this through the Galatians. And it's these four things. It's the first is what have we forgotten? What have you forgotten? What's the thing that you believed or that you haven't believed yet? What is, like, what is the gospel? Like, the gospel means that we are children of God. It means that we are known and that we are seen and that we are loved. So in the midst of the storm, what have you forgotten? And then the second thing is, is why are you, is, what are you trying to control? What makes the storm okay? What are the things that we are trying to hold on to so tightly and we're afraid to let go of that make us okay in the storm? And the third is the invitation from Jesus when he says, why are you so afraid? And the invitation is, is remember. It's to remember what we have forgotten to remember that we are known and that we are seen and that we are loved, to remember what the gospel says, that Jesus Christ came and he died and he died for our sins and he was resurrected. And these are the things that, that are important, that we believe. And then the fourth is in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, the turmoil, in the midst of forgetting and and then trying to control things and then remembering what what Christ has done the fourth thing is peace and in the in the story in Matthew the peace is really tangible right the storm stops the waves stop the wind stops but it's also important to remember that when they got to the other side of the lake, they were confronted with more problems and 
they were confronted with the the there's a, a demon possessed man who they they interact with and Jesus saves and like there's more stuff going on and for the Galatians like when they are offered peace by Paul when they're offered like when they're told return to what you believed in the midst of that they if they give up the rules they're still going to have people around them telling them that they have to go to the rules. They're still going to have, the storm is still going to be all around them. But they're invited to, to peace in the midst of the storm. So, what have you forgotten? What are you trying to control? What's making you afraid? What are you being called to remember? And then hear the invitation to ask Jesus Christ for peace in the midst of the storm. We have about five minutes. Is that right? It's about 6.10. We have about five minutes. So if you have any questions or pushback or whatever... Now's the time. So in terms of the diagnostic, I'm curious, where do you think freaking out fits in? <laughs> because the di- disciples definitely freak out. And yeah. is there a place for that? Where does it fit? What I think it? it fits in... Like in the, I think when we're trying to control things and we're trying to, like, we're afraid to let go. And when we, the freaking out actually happens when we actually realize we can't control it. Like the disciples realized this storm is too much for us. Like they were fishermen, they were experienced, but they, the storm was too much for them. And they realized that they couldn't control it. And so they freaked out and they turned to Jesus and cried out. Which is also a really good, to realize that you can't control it and to cry out to Jesus is a really good space to be in. Really scary space, but good. What's your encouragement to us when we realize that we have been forgetting? We have forgotten about God, truth. I think the encouragement is is stepping into remembering what God has done, which is the call in in most of the Old Testament is return to God, remember what He has done, and I think like is it? I think it's Psalm sixty eight where David says, "I am." I think it's David. He says, "I I am." I am being attacked, I am pursued, I am, he's like living in a cave, and then he says, but I will remember what you have done, and then he says, um, God is good and great and he will save us, and the change, it's not like he wrote the one part in the cave and then he was saved and then he wrote the second part, like it all is at one experience, and he he remembers what God has, had done, and then he recognizes who God is. I think that's the space to turn to.
Yeah, Emily. I was just wondering if you could summarize the diagnostic. Yeah. Um, so it's remember or remember. Yeah. Um, what have you forgotten? What What's the thing that you've forgotten in the gospel? What's the, the thing? What have you forgotten? What are you trying to control? What are you afraid of letting go of? Um, and then what are you being called to remember? And in the midst of all that, turning to God and asking for peace in the midst of the storm. So the third part of um, your diagnostic, what are you trying to control? What are you holding on to? What, are, what do you see the disciples holding on to in this story? That they can figure it out on their own. They're, they're fishermen. They're going to figure it out. They're going to make it. I think it happens really quickly for them. Like that, that shift happens really quickly because it, the storm, it says it came up so violently. Um, that they, I think they almost immediately realized they couldn't, they couldn't do it. But they're trying to, to control the boat, control the, their, I mean, they're afraid. Yeah. Lane and then you, and then I think we're going to wrap it up. I think it also seems like some of what they're trying to control is who Jesus is, because they come to him with like these accusations, and they're like, what are you doing sleeping? You've abandoned us. And they yeah. like are very angry at him. And I think in our control, we often do that. We blame God. We accuse him. I feel like that's a space I've been in a lot these days. So I'm very familiar with it. And I think we put on him all these ways he should come through for us. Uh, and he doesn't necessarily do that. So I feel like that's a place we go to in our freaking out and trying to control yeah, and he doesn't immediately, he doesn't like wake up and go, oh no, and calm the storm. Like he wakes up and he looks at him and he's like, why are you afraid? And then he calms the storm. I, I don't know exactly how to ask this question, but <clears throat> I've read this passage in the past and the, the, the problem I struggle with is, and, and maybe that's, well anyway, is what should they have done? You're, you, you know, what would be the appropriate response when you're out in the middle of the water and your boat's about ready to tip over and Jesus is asleep? Should they have gone over and laid down next to him and gone to sleep? <laughs> Should they have tapped? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm being a little facetious, of course, but there's a, that sounds to me like it would have been a freaking moment, and I don't know what I... Yeah, uh, and I, I mean, I think their response is appropriate in, in like, crying out and saying, save us. I think there is there is sort of a, a there is an implication of like an acu- accusation of like what are you doing sleeping, but the the crying out to God in the in the middle of like we have no control and we we can't do it and we're gonna die, um, I think is appropriate. I think that yeah yeah um, really quickly uh, Karen and then and then Hannah and then we got to be done. 
Yeah, I, I I think the accusational part would be like the one thing that could have been done differently. But I think the important point of the story for me is that we don't have to have the right quote unquote response for God to come through in an amazing way in a situation. We can freak out, we can be immature and weird about it. Yeah. And that doesn't stop God from coming through. Yeah. Great. Well, the thought that when your dad was talking, I was just thinking, but what was Jesus' voice and fluctuation like? Because we know he's not condemning, and it just makes, I think, I initially think, like, why are you so afraid? But then I think about my kids, like, oh, why are you guys afraid? Like, yeah. mama's got you. And I just, so I just think of his heart, and that he's okay with our freakouts, and he's like, oh, you freaked out again. Oh, <laughs> I'll keep growing you and remembering, dear yeah. one. Cool. Thanks, guys. Let's, all right, um, let's pray. Um, and I, I have a, a prayer that we have hanging up that Lane um, put up in our daughter's room um, that I'd like to pray for us. It says, um, Calm us, O Lord, as you stilled the storm. Still me, O Lord, keep us from harm. Let all the tumult within us cease. Enfold us, Lord, in your peace. Father, thank you for your word. Um, bless this time of worship. Meet us in the storm. And I pray. Amen. <laughs>